When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, to get 20, 20, 20, to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hello and welcome to the Times Business Podcast, where we look ahead to some of the events, at least, that will be making the news over the coming days. I'm Robert Miller. That means Britain's growth rate, productivity and consumer confidence. And casting the net wider, we find out what scares Wall Street more. China's dramatic slowdown or the US Federal Reserve's dithering over interest rates. Hard to choose, really. And back at home, we have a raft of retailers who will be updating the markets. I'm joined by Philip Aldrich, our economics editor and columnist, Deirdre Hipwell, the Times Mergers and Acquisitions correspondent, and on the line from New York, Alexandra Freen, US business editor of the Times. Welcome to you all. Thanks for being here. Philip, let's start with you. We've got a revision to the UK GDP figures. Do we expect any shocks or will it just be more of the same and tell us what we knew already? This is the third estimate of the second quarter GDP growth number, and um, uh, it's unlikely to change. It's going to probably say 0.7%, which is uh, which was what the second estimate said as well. But because it's the third estimate, they do actually include a whole load of um, revisions to previous figures, and this is the big one. Once a year, they do uh, they do some uh, they do look back at. You know, over several years and revised previous year growth figures, and and what has tended to happen since the uh, you know since the recovery really got underway is that the is that the growth figures from back as far as 2011, 2012, 2013 will uh, have tended to be revised upwards. So we so the you know at one point the depth of the recession was 7.2 percent of our economic output. They now have revised that to just a fall of around six percent. Uh, so I mean that's an, an illustration of the of the of the way that the uh, uh, the the evolution of how we see the recession has evolved as a result of this uh, changing back data, and we're going to get another load of that next week. It seems to be good for the policy wonks, perhaps, and the people that you have to pour over all these and, and turn it into something that we can all read about, but. Other statistics, consumer confidence, productivity, everything seems to be pointing generally, doesn't it, to a slowdown. Whatever past is, it doesn't really matter. The situation, perhaps, that people want to know about is looking forward. Are we really into a pretty tricky fourth quarter in growth terms? Well, the the backward data does have have some relevance, particularly on if we've actually been growing better than 
we thought, which you know has, as I was saying, has been the trend over the last few you know, major revisions. That will uh, that suggests that the productivity puzzle, you know, our our, our terrible, terribly weak output is uh, is not as bad as it as it, as it first appears. Now we actually do have the first official productivity data for the second quarter, which um, is likely to show that there has been a pickup, uh, which is very welcome because, of course, productivity, as the governor says, is is absolutely key to sort of uh, wealth and uh, living standards for for the future. Productivity is effectively stagnated so output per worker output per hour um, has effectively stagnated since the uh, since the recession it is thought to have increased by about 1.3 percent in the second quarter over the year though still well below the sort of two and a quarter percent trend rate it's a big pickup and it is it does suggest that we're we're actually beginning to uh, recover that recover to the sort of pre-crisis productivity levels that we desperately need to see so so that and if the revision data show that the past figures weren't as bad the whole recovery looks to look begins to look a little bit more more hopeful obviously we're looking forward we want to see what the what the more recent economic figures are but um the uk is still sort of soldiering on alex let me bring you in here from new york is it that much different in america as we alluded to at the beginning i mean wall street is it is it the china slowdown that's occupying people or is it closer to home with with the u.s federal reserve many would say behind the curve now because they didn't raise interest rates earlier this month well, I, th- I think it's impossible to say what has spooked investors here, but it's clear that investors have been have been completely spooked, and the Federal Reserve's decision not to raise interest rates last week and not to give a vote of confidence in the strength of the U.S. economy has definitely hurt investor sentiment. But at the same time, I think there are bigger, bigger things going on. Um, the, the slowdown in China since the summer really has, I think, made people a lot more cautious. If you look at the consumer confidence figures, and we've got new figures coming out from the conference board next week, but the latest uh, University of Mi- Michigan consumer confidence figures showed great consumer confidence in August, and then it dropped at the beginning of September after the whole China thing happened. So um, people are really nervous. You know, and those with wealth have seen uh, stock market gains wiped out in the last few weeks, and they are just um, reining in their spending. The retail sales figures are not great. The outlook for the Christmas holiday spending is is the lowest since um, 2009-2010. So um, things are not that that great. That said, there is still jobs growth. People are still expecting wages to pick up. It's not all doom and gloom. Yeah, it it's, uh, seems to be that policymakers across the world don't really know what's happening uh, with China um, and the uh, and the prospect of a global slowdown. You've had you know, Janet Yellen and, and the other members of the FOMC saying uh, that they want to wait and see. You've, you've basically had exactly the same uh, words come out of the Bank of England. The ECB has said it's uh, has has dashed hopes that there's going to be immediate uh, increase in QE because they also want to wait and see. Every Everybody is clearly on tenterhooks as to whether the Chinese situation is a real uh, leg down in, into a, you know, a, a third stage of this, this crisis. We had the financial crisis in 2008, 2009. We had the, uh, then, we, then we had the sovereign debt crisis in Europe and some people are, are, are warning that this is the third leg, this is the, the Chinese leg of the crisis and that nobody quite knows. Everyone's hoping it isn't, but... Uh, they're too scared to do much on policy until they've got a better idea. So looking forward, let me ask both of you. Alex, you first. For for ordinary investors who are just trying to preserve their, their capital and increase their savings and investments, 
presumably they can't afford to be out of the market. So what do they do? Just stay as they are and, and, and sit on the sidelines rather than trying to uh, ride the ups and downs? Well, I think the wealth managers are advising their, their clients not to panic and just to, to hang on in there. Um, but that's a hard message for, um, uh, for their customers to take when they're just sitting there watching their savings shrink. Philip, here at home, I mean, the FTSE, the 100s, you look at the markets and currencies every day. It's pretty difficult to try and second guess them, even for the professionals, so for the private investors and the people who do take an interest in what's happening. It's well, the stock market's been off quite sharply, hasn't it? I mean, a lot, there's a lot of uh, uh, experts who, who who reckon. Well, Robert Schiller, who was who was called the crisis, he called the financial crisis, he called the dot com bubble. Uh, he's he's been saying that the uh, equity markets, in particular, are, are overvalued. I will defer to his uh, greater expertise on 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 this stuff. You shouldn't put yourself down, <laughs> Deirdre. Let me bring you in here. We were talking about consumer confidence. I mean, this is very much the meat and drink, or what sustains your one of the sectors you follow which is uh, retail next week we've got uh, quite a few coming up trading updates and, and results from sort of Tate and Lyle Sainsbury's I mean let's starting at the top Sainsbury's what do we expect from them I mean they're still not back to their number one slot by any means are they no no they're not but I think the market could be in for some slightly better news from Sainsbury's because obviously we had figures out this week from Kantar on the grocery sector and Sainsbury's of the big four was actually the only one that managed to keep pace with the market and they actually grew their sales by 0.9%, which isn't obviously very much, but it is still growth, whereas Tesco's, Asda, Morrison's are all still finding they're going quite tough. So I think um, it'll be interesting to see you know, what Sainsbury's has to say um, next week and how they're kind of um, competing against the likes of Aldi and Lidl, who obviously have again experienced huge sales growth and increased their market share. And of course, it's just over a year now since Mike Cooper took over from Justin King, so there'll always be interest in what he has to say about how he's finding the conditions at the moment. Yeah, I should think tough to say that. I mean, Tate and Lyle are very different. It's always had a, a quite a large following of private investors, hasn't it? Absolutely. And, and Tate and Lyle is one of um, those companies everyone still thinks that they make sugar. And of course, they don't actually make sugar at all. It's about food ingredients, uh, sucralose, bulk ingredients. And Tate and Lyle have actually found the going really quite tough in the past year, partly because there's been a huge oversupply of sucralose. Chinese producers have just glutted the market and that has hit pricing. They've had some unfortunate weather in the US, which has impacted um, production. They also had some issues with their supply chain distribution. So there's ha- they've actually had to undergo quite a large strategic review. They've restructured uh, their business um, and they've actually sold off their food ingredients division in Europe. So this is a company that's actually undergoing pretty strategic change. And the market, I think, wants to see if the management team are executing on this. So it's just a trading statement. But given that we've had at least two profit warnings from Tate and Lyle in recent months, I think, you know, a lot of people will be looking at this next week. A lot of people might have should have headed the hills on that old saying, isn't it? Was it sell after the first profit warning? The second is a bit late to do anything by then, isn't it? Quite right. But uh, their last update, they seem to be a bit more um, optimistic that they were they at least thought that the sucralose market was starting. They were starting to see some look through on pricing, which I think will help because obviously 
when you're a public company, the market wants guidance and they want to know what to expect. And when you're not sure when you're going to hit the bottom, it's quite hard to give that guidance. But I think they are getting to that point. And my sale, I mean, Sir Philip Green, he's always been said that he has the Midas touch in the, in the retail sector. This hasn't been such a rip-roaring success, has it? No, it hasn't. Reading. And in fact, it got off to a very bad start from the first day when there was a bit of a bungling um, when it floated and they, you know, they entered in the, the price um, in pounds instead of pence and obviously sorted that out quite quickly. But then they shocked the market in January with a profit warning. But they've got a new chairman and Ian MacDonald and there are a lot of retail, uh, sorry, analysts, retail analysts out there who say that my my sale is fundamentally a good business. Um, but I think we're going to have to wait and see how their figures come out next next week. Alex, uh, in New York, we, you mentioned earlier a bit about the sort of the sales coming up, retail sales coming up and what a tough time it's going to be. But of course, isn't it Black Friday that kicks off? Is it next month for, for, for the real sort of start to the, the buying season? Yes, I mean, Black Friday will, will bring a lot of shopping, but it, it really begins with the Labor Day sales, which we had a couple of weeks ago. And what's been interesting is that, that there hasn't been such a big boost this year as there normally is. I mean, it was fairly good, and we'll see the figures from that feed into the September retail numbers when we get those. What's interesting is that a number of stores have extended their Labor Day sales to the weeks following Labor Day, so to try and reel in more shoppers. What we're seeing is um, consumers are still looking for value. So if you look at a company like Gap, they are forecast to do not so well at Gap stores. In September, their same store sales are forecast to fall, but at their lower cost Old Navy brand, they're looking at a a 5% increase. So I think that that just in that one company tells the whole story. Philip, looking at it in the broad economic picture, the Monetary Policy Committee and other policymakers, how closely do they look at things like Black Friday? Because it's, it's suddenly exploded over here as well, hasn't it? I mean, how important is it now in, in, in the overall raft of figures that they look at? It, it causes noise in the data and they don't like that. That's about as much as it uh, as its impact has been, I think. Um, the bigger picture on retail sales is that we've had falling prices. I mean, we've had deflation, basically, in, uh, in uh, clothes and in food prices over for quite a long time. Um, uh, and that's been fueling... Uh, that's been fueling, um, uh, sh- you know, the shoppers, getting the shoppers out to, to, to head down the high street. So, uh, in general, the, the retailers uh, have had a... I mean, it's, it's been a double-edged sword, I suppose, because you know, prices have fallen, but, um, you know, they've, they've certainly had decent footfall. And we see this in the figures, don't we, Deirdre, that we're looking at, even when they're trading updates. It is very tough on the margins for retailers, and presumably at the end of the day, that's going to impact on the amount of money they're going to have to pay out in dividends, isn't it? Sometime. Absolutely. No, it's it's very difficult. I mean, only a month ago, the chief executive of ASDA was saying that he was seeing green shoots. And then, of course, their figures... <sighs> Fatal, that, was, isn't it? Absolutely. Two words that a chief exec should yes. never talk. They, I think, of the big four, they're suffering the most. So it, it is extremely difficult. And they have to make big decisions on how much to invest in further price cuts, what sort of promotions to do. And obviously, some have better success than others with their promotions. For example, Morrison is having a quite close look at its match and more promotion to see if that really works and it is quite a confusing promotion um, it's one of those ones you know they should have realized from the minute you're asking customers to do the maths that it's not going to work uh, so yeah it's it's quite difficult I mean 
There has been some talk. We, we heard it from Ocado when they were reporting, you know, their uh, trading statement not so long ago that they were starting to see a slight easing off in food deflation. So it'll be interesting to see what Sainsbury's has to say on that because it's the third biggest supermarket in Britain. I mean, they're going to have a pretty, pretty good idea of what's going on um, in the market. But yeah, it is extremely tough. Yeah, so for the for, for the shareholders, they'll be interested in the figures. For the rest of us, it's head down the shop still. Clearly, deflation and make the most of it while it lasts. Well, thanks for all that. And that's just about it for now. But do remember, you can keep up to date with all the financial news, that and anything else that happens. That's in the pop-up now, Business Now live blog, I should say, on our website. If you are a Time subscriber, then do please sign up to our daily morning and lunchtime emails. That's if you haven't already. And if you don't have a subscription, we have a special £1 offer. And you'll find that by going to thetimes.co.uk. And if you want to hear us weekly, you can subscribe through iTunes. My thanks to Alexandra Freen in New York, Philip Aldrich and Deirdre Hitwell here. They're all on Twitter, so please do follow them. We'll be back next week. Thanks for listening. Thank you for downloading. To discover more, head to thetimes.co.uk. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. If you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. Use the Stamps.com mobile app to mail everything you need to keep your business running with up to 89% off USPS and UPS. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Use code PROGRAM for a special offer. That's Stamps.com, code PROGRAM.